You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Monica Bay. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore the new legal technology and the people behind the tech here on Law Technology Now. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, and I have a terrific panel today for you. We're going to talk to Jason Moise and Aaron Solomon, who are both in Toronto, and I'm just going to turn it right over to Aaron to tell you a little bit about their organization and then to Jason. So what do you want me to tell you? You want me to tell you about all my background? I can do that in 25 minutes. That's, I think, the time that we have today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Give me five minutes from each of you so that our audience I'll knows. give you much less than five minutes. Um, okay. So I don't know. I, I've had the opportunity to do some really cool things in my career. Uh, I've been to China 56 times on business, lived in Beijing. I've traveled about three and a half million miles, I think mostly kind of in the business of innovation and education. I'm Canadian. I'm doing this call today from Toronto. I've lived in a whole bunch of places. And I guess luck and maybe some kind of, you know, more divine course uh, led me back into the law after really not having done much in it from the time I graduated law school and until a couple of years ago. I was an entrepreneur and I basically built a school that traveled all over the world uh, a really cool kind of experiment in global education. Uh, I've worked for a bunch of schools, done a lot of international consulting in the innovation space, and came to Toronto a few years ago uh, after I left my startup in 2010, late 2010, and have done a bunch of fun things, not the least of which uh, is building LegalX with my buddy Jason Moyce, who's on the other end of the call. Well, that's a good chance for us to let Jason introduce himself, and then we're going to talk about the launch just about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, of LegalX and your involvement there. Hi, Monica, and uh, thanks for having Aaron and I on today. We're really pleased to spend this time with you. So my background, I've been in the legal space for my entire career. I started out as a commercial litigator and my practice was always sort of that high-volume practice that had a lot of process to it. I did a lot of debtor-creditor, mortgage enforcement type work. And I was in private practice for about six years before I went in-house at uh, Xerox Canada. And I was there for about six years as well and still doing a lot of litigating, but also, of course, managing outside counsel as well. So on that journey, uh, it gave me a pretty full perspective in terms of the legal industry and the path that that a lawyer might take. Uh, the in-house environment and the private practitioner environment are two different things. Increasingly, they're coming together. And um, a lot of what I've taken an interest in in the last couple of years is around efficiency, the increase of process improvement, project management, design thinking, all into into the legal space where it wasn't before. And 
uh, as Aaron mentioned, for the last year or so, on top of my day job, which is with Elevate Services, Aaron and I founded LegalX, and it's proven to be a really great way to blend all of those interests, including that uh, wonderful fusion of startup, the burgeoning legal technology scene, and then, of course, corporate innovation amongst both the, uh, the in-house environment, but also among law firms. And it was about just a little bit more than a year ago when I met both of you, when you were kind enough to invite me to speak at your launch party in Toronto. It was absolutely fantastic, and I certainly became an immediate friend of all of you and very interested, in, particularly in my role at Stanford, where at the law school I'm part of the Codex group. I'm a fellow at Codex. And I instantly saw that the goals we are doing in California are very similar to your goals, and in fact, immediately <laughs> told all of you that that was what I thought. <laughs> Let's go back to that period for a bit and tell us a little bit not only about what you're doing with LegalX, but this amazing environment that you're in called Mars. So I'll start by talking a little bit about Mars. Mars is a really amazing place. It's a massive urban innovation center in the heart of downtown Toronto with 1.5 million square feet of space. And Mars works with about 1,200 startups. So I ended up kind of on Mars's doorstep one day for a coffee. Uh, someone who knew me from Twitter, she invited me for coffee. I met a few other people and I started to kind of volunteer there. Uh, and long story short, you know, that was 2011. So Mars is all about like convergence innovation. And I think what that means for us in LegalX and for Mars writ large is that what Mars has been exceptionally good at doing is filling the gaps, filling in what we at LegalX like to call the in-between spaces. So when we approached the CEO, you know, about a year and a half ago and said, we really feel that there's an opportunity here to play in the legal innovation and technology space, you know, it was a big risk on Mars's part to align with the work that Jason and I were already doing with the legal lean work that we were doing and a couple of conferences that we put on. But it didn't take too long to convince people that we had a good sense of where the ball was going. So as you know, we launched just over a year ago, we launched last June, and I'll kind of hand it over to Jason by saying, we have been absolutely shocked at our good fortune in the past year and how LegalX has absolutely boomed. We have worked so hard and been so busy in the past year, but it's a good work and it's a good busy. And I do think that there's a lot of parallels, and I know that you're very active with Roland Vogel, who's the head of our unit. We're experiencing the same thing. We just finished our fourth annual conference, and I didn't go to the very first one, but I've been to all the others. And it's, I just have this intense feeling that what both organizations are doing is almost exponential. It just seems we were just standing room only this year, packed, and the energy and the drive, I just feel it in my bones. It's so exciting for what both of our organizations are doing. And there's so much interaction that's possible with other groups that are starting as well. I interrupted you, Jason, on to you to tell us a little bit more about it. Well, I mean, to your point, Monica, I've been at the Codex conference the last two years, and it's actually been a lot of the springboard for some of what we've been able to do with LegalX. As you recall, you and I met uh, at Codex last year, and it's that conversation that led 
to uh, your attending at our kickoff, which was uh, a year ago, June 22nd. We also uh, had a couple of other speakers that I met directly at Codex, and that gave us a really good launch because here in Canada, we've got a burgeoning tech scene, that's for sure, a legal innovation scene, which has really sprouted up. And uh, Codex has been a, a big part of that because we've been able to recruit people to come and uh, attend our events, be mentors to our startups, et cetera, including again this year. I was really pleased to be on a panel at, at Codex this year around the legal community building and also able to leverage being there and, and all those like-minded travelers. We were able to, again, recruit a number of folks that we're really excited about that we're going to bring into into the Canadian market because these things have a tendency to operate as echo chambers a little bit. And uh, the Canadian market has you know, a different view than, say, the U.S. market. So when we're able to bring in thought leaders and more importantly, I would say, doers uh, in respect of successful entrepreneurs in the space, uh, when we can bring them into the market, it really gives us a lift in terms of what we're able to do and demonstrate for both startups as well as firms and corporates that are looking to drive innovation in this space. The other thing that we share is, which I want you guys to talk about also, which is that Thomson Reuters is involved with both of us. They just announced involvement with you guys that I want you guys to tell us about too. Plus, one of the, I can never pronounce his name. It's spelled Sean, but it's not. So you guys can help me. He, he does Beagle. Yeah. And he's now a fellow at Stanford. So there really is a lot of back and forth. But uh, let me throw the back to you in terms of your next step there. Yeah, I'll leave this for Jason, except that I'll preface it by saying that it's an absolute joy to work with all of our innovation partners. Uh, we work with a couple very large law firms in Canada, part of the Seven Sisters Group. We work with McCarthy Tetro and we work with Blake's. We also have a great partnership with the Canadian Bar Association, and we're extremely proud of the work that we're doing with Thomson Reuters, and they're a joy to work with. Yeah, and I'll just sort of add to that, you know, at a pragmatic level, what we're able to do both with and for and on behalf of Thomson Reuters. So Aaron and I, at this point through Mars, you know, we're attracting a lot of really interesting startups, including Kean from Beagle, but many others as well. And so because of our, our market knowledge, as well as the ability to sort of know what types of products and services are likely to gain traction, we've been able to do things with Thomson Reuters and, and our other partners as well, like uh, as an example, you know, curated sessions with the leadership team where we bring in, you know, six or seven of the startups to discuss what they're up to, um, what their potential trajectory is, what their obstacles are. And uh, to that end, when Aaron says it's a joy to work with the company, it really truly is. We've seen them, you know, just announce in a room, you know, it's time we handed over funds to these types of startups that we keep um, seeing. And so we've seen that happen. That's very exciting to see uh, anytime you're able to acquire some funding for the startups, that's exciting. It's also just sort of from a, I hesitate to use the word thought leadership, but certainly from a conference perspective, we're very excited about what our combined efforts are going to amount to uh, with Thomson Reuters because we're, we're going to have just some sensational people here in Toronto uh, in September for a conference we're putting on with Thomson Reuters. And we're talking about you know, the likes of really visible folks 
not just in the Canadian market, not just in the U.S. market, but internationally as well. So, I mean, we've got Dan Katz coming to keynote our event. That's We're looking forward to that. Carl Chapman from Riverview is going to be there, folks from eBrevia, and a number of others. So it's really exciting, not just to work on behalf of Thomson Reuters, but to be able to bring some synergy. Like our combined networks, as well as um, Outlook on the industry, has made for a really made for some really interesting and compelling sort of content. Yeah, I think we need to keep a really big eye on Dan because he's for those who might not remember, he started up the renovate law process about two years ago and he's moved from Michigan State and has just taken over a post in Chicago and the synergy that's going on with that alone is really interesting because he's he's an amazing speaker and uh, definitely someone to continue to watch. Uh, I think he's going to be a big, big player. And he's also affiliated with Stanford. So he's someone to watch, in my opinion. Anybody else that you see that we really want to keep an eye on? Well, Dan is really compelling to read and listen to, and there are others like Dan that are out there, including Bill Henderson from Indiana, yep. um, who's also coming to Toronto in, in September. And that stuff, I like to see all of those those types of leaders because they, they tend to have a, a bird's eye view on what's happening on the landscape, and you can sort of get a big picture perspective. But I'm always really excited by the, the folks that are actually driving and formulating businesses in this space around all of these all these concepts that we're really interested in around innovation and technology. So, you know, that Riverview is an example that gets trotted out. Of course, here in Toronto, Kira, formerly known as Diligence mm-hmm. Engines, getting a lot of traction and, and we're very proud to have Noah as a good friend of ours, although not formally within within the Legal X program. And it's companies that tend to excite us, particularly those that are creating brand new businesses beyond just the legal advisory work that you would normally see being offered up from lawyers. I think it's very exciting when there's an entirely new line of business, leveraging technology, filling a need in the market, and not just relying on the traditional you know, pyramid law firm partnership tournament, hourly billing type of model. There's a lot of other legal services providers that are starting to hit the market. And and that's what makes it a very exciting time. Yeah. And I think there's a couple other things that are factoring in on that too. One of the things I'm very excited about is what I call the big three, Rocket Lawyer, Avo, and LegalZoom. I really see that arena shifting from where they were you know, completely viewed as outliers and, and, and outliers might be the wrong word, but they were just, I mean, the ABA still is so afraid of them. It's almost pathetic. But what they are doing and where they're going, I think, is something really to watch. Uh, all three of those are incredibly interesting organizations. Another thing that we're doing at Stanford is we did a partnership right when I was leaving ALM, where I was the editor-in-chief of Law Technology News. And 
We've done a series at the Legal Tech West Coast and Legal Tech New York where we've done what we call lightning rounds. And it's kind of tongue in cheek from Shark Tank where you come in and they have about a three, depending on how many people, three to five minute presentation. And then there's judges, uh, usually four or five judges. And the process on that, we've just had standing room only on all of these, I think we've done it four times now. And the value to the folks who are starting the businesses, it gives them you know, a chance to not only make their pitch and get exposure, but also to get feedback from the four or five judges who usually come from very different points of view. And the energy that's come out of those has just been amazing. And you guys did a similar type of a program for that when you did the launch. For folks who might not be as familiar with this, tell us a little bit more about where you want to be like two years from now, five years from now. We've talked about a lot of the things we're doing and a lot of things that I think are becoming very, very important for many different organizations. But is there any particular things that you want to see in the next two to five years? So I want to see everything. And I'm actually going to be that guy, even though Jason's going to be angry at me later on. But on the <laughs> other hand, I, have, I haven't sworn so far during this interview, so I should get some points back for that. But I'm going to actually say that LegalX, you talked a few minutes ago about who to watch. The industry should be watching us because LegalX is going to be huge. We're playing in all the right spaces. We got in at the right time. And I think that when you look at the background of experience and expertise between Jason and I, we're able to play in the industry in the way the industry needs, and we're also able to work equally well with the startups. I always say, you know, people have heard this, Jason's probably heard this a hundred times, but there's so many parallels between the legal innovation and technology area today and where I grew up in education technology a decade ago. So when things keep happening, it gives me the sense of deja vu, and it allows us to be a little bit ahead of where the ball is going. And I think that that's been true with the kind of startups that we've been working with, with our success in getting them early stage funding, which, you know, listen, in 2016, mid-2016, it's hard enough for startups in any vertical to get early stage funding. Ours have been very successful from investors around the world in getting funded. So I think that while this remains a startup-centric thing, moving forward, it's the ability to keep so many different industry balls in the air and get everybody playing together well, that's going to be the determining factor for success. Jason, what's your view on this? Well, I think you're going to see, and LegalX is uh, a big part of this, increasingly you're going to see the what I refer to as the David and Goliaths playing together. And there's going to be increasing fusion, sort of an ecosystem way, between small startups or small enterprises, they might not even be startups, they might be established mature businesses, but increasingly you're going to see plug and play parts in terms of the solutions that are offered in the market. Uh, that means a law firm or a corporate legal department is going to do part of the work. Smaller uh, human capital-based firms will do other aspects of it. Somewhere along the lines, there'll be a technology piece provided by someone that's obviously made the technology. And so I think the next couple of years are all about that collaboration, which doesn't come naturally, particularly to law firms, which um, have operated as sort of the Coke versus Pepsi mentality for a long time. 
But the end users of legal services are increasingly seeking value, and more and more you're going to see solutions that are multi-tiered. The same way your computer is made up from all different kinds of uh, providers, all part of the, the broader supply chain. So I think that's going to continue, and I think where Legal X is going to play is as the facilitator and many times over sort of a conduit between the big guys and the small guys. And the one thing that I would add to that, which we haven't mentioned, but it's got to go with saying, is that this is all entirely a global play. The idea that all of the solutions made for tomorrow are going to be made where big law sits isn't the case. Things are going to be built in China for the global market. Things will be built in North America for the huge Chinese market. So being able to play globally is key. And half our startups are always international. About half our startups right now are, are in North America. One of the areas that I think runs the risk of crashing and burning is big law. And there's so many nuances on this. As Eric Press, who is the head of ALM, editor-in-chief, he always says, and I think he's absolutely right, that bespoke, as Susskind would say, bespoke is going nowhere. There's always going to be a need for the very, 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 very bet-the-farm, very expensive cases. They're not going to change. But what I think is going to change dramatically is the stuff that isn't bespoke. And We've seen firm after firm after firm crash and burn. And I really think that the models that James Sandman talked about and his keynote at Codex's Future Law Conference blew everybody out of the work because the big picture is there's a lot of problems in the structure and the approach of big law. It's got to change. And tech is going to change it. It's going to make it better, faster, cheaper, and transparent. It's truly a revolution. And I think what's going on is so exciting, and it has so much promise for access to justice at so many levels. It's just such an exciting time. And it's really thrilling to see the things you're doing, what we're doing at Stanford, and what many, 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 as you said, folks are diving into this. I know we're running out of time. Let me, that's sort of my mantra. What do you two each think about, you know, what's the most important thing for us to be doing right now? It's Jason here, and, and I'll take a crack at that. I think the most important thing to be doing is just that, the act of doing. As much as I love these conferences, as much as I love all the scholastic activity around it, the writing uh, that Aaron and I do, it is still, I sort of always make the statement that knowledge is kind of the booby prize. We still need a lot more application of what's out there. We need people to be taking risks. We need people to be taking um going after an experimental approach. And of course, that's where the advantage is for folks that are in the smaller enterprises or in startups. They've got a lot more agility to manage change or to go after new product development. In terms of the large firms, certainly you'll get no pushback uh, from me on anything that, that you've stated other than I would say the law firms that Aaron and I are uh, lucky enough to work with, including others that, that we talk to, they all, at least, I would say, at the leadership level, know that they've got some responsibilities on all of those issues that you've just said, as well as an imperative. Uh, otherwise, their firms are not going to survive. So 
there's nothing wrong with the brain of the large law firms. Uh, I think the leadership teams are enlightened. It's really just, and, and no one's going to be surprised. If they are to collapse, it, it comes from a long way out. But, you know, just because the mind is enlightened doesn't mean the arms and legs can move in coordination. So that's going to continue to be the challenge for large firms, even when they've got the best strategies. Their legacies of uh, culture, their legacies of less than state-of-the-art technology, that's what's going to slow them down. And I'm going to jump in as the voice of the entrepreneur, because one thing that big law thinks that it does well, and the better they think they do it in an individual firm, the worse they actually do it, is work with startups and work with entrepreneurs. There are so many startup programs out there, very few of which actually work for the entrepreneur and work for the startup. And we have, as Jason said, great resonance with some firms in big law that want to work with LegalX and do work with LegalX. But on the other hand, there are those firms who feel that all of this is at best optional, that the wave of innovation, the wave of entrepreneurship will pass. And the really damaging thing about this is that a notion that's not talked about enough in the law is entrepreneurship. If you negate and discount entrepreneurship and people who innovate, then you're also negating entrepreneurship within your own firm, and that's going to hurt the firms more in the long run. Very, very good point. Um, we've got to close. If each of you could tell our audience how to reach you, that would be great. Why don't we start with you, Jason? So I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter. I'm at Jason Moyes, J-A-S-O-N-M-O-Y-S-E. Feel free to ping me at any time and my email, uh, although not uh, publicly broadcast, it's pretty easy to find. It's just jm at jasonmoyes.com. And I'm always happy to hear from uh, folks that are out there and, and uh, particularly those that are traveling this non-traditional path. Aaron? The only good way to reach me, because I can't stand LinkedIn, I can't stand the telephone, <laughs> is through Twitter. Aaron Solomon, A-R-O-N-S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Reach out and find me. <laughs> I love that. That's fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute delight. You guys are fantastic. We could talk for hours and hours and hours, uh, but we've run out of time. So I'm Monica Bay, and thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.